Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Paul Swearingen here, otherwise known as Pastor Paul, here to chat with you today as we do a little bit of a different podcast instead of having a guest that I call a proximity guest, putting you close to somebody that might have a different viewpoint of things than you have. Today, I'm playing as a podcast my weekly hearing God moment, the meditation moment that we do on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time. And why am I doing that? I'm doing it because I want you, I want the whole audience to get to experience what we do live on Thursday mornings and then it's preserved so you can watch it at another time on the Pastor Paul YouTube channel so you can get a feel for what hearing God feels like and the importance of meditation in our lives. Meditation has been statistically proven, data proven, tested, that when we take time to meditate, Christians may call it intercession or prayer. Um, We may call it mindfulness or quiet time or sitting and waiting on God, whatever name you want to give it, sitting quietly and processing through our feelings and our thoughts And then connecting to something bigger than us, I call it a hearing God moment within my spiritual tradition, but it doesn't have to be connecting to God as my tradition says it can be. However, God looks safe and life-giving to you, but I want people to see how fruitful it is and how valuable to have that quiet time. So I'm doing that as a podcast this week so you can hear, and I also share what I think is an amazing message called Are You enough. And it's based on the story of the woman that kisses Jesus' feet in the Pharisee's house and uses her hair to wipe his feet clean. And you're not going to want to miss it. It's coming up right here on the podcast. But first, I'm going to talk about what does justice for the fatherless mean? And what does it mean in the context of our life here in America today? You're not going to want to miss that. That's our WTH topic on the heels of the Derek Chauvin verdict. How should Christians respond to that verdict? And why does it tie into justice for the fatherless and Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Important messages coming up on today's podcast, the nonpartisan evangelical podcast at Pastor Paul, uh, pastor-paul.com. First, before I hit the open, let me invite you to be a part of caring for this ministry of Pastor Paul and the nonpartisan evangelical. There you see on your screen ways that you can help support the message of this ministry, if I could call it that. It's a business. It's a for-profit business to help support my work so I can do what I do. And uh, so you can give into that business to help support the message of the nonpartisan evangelical and Pastor Paul by just giving on Venmo. You can give a gift on Venmo. Just point your camera at the screen at the QR code there. If you're listening uh, via podcast, then you can uh, go to Venmo. And my moniker there is at paul-swearingen-1, and you'll find me there. And uh, you can just Venmo a gift or... If you want to point your camera at the Patreon QR code, you can join our NPE Patreon community where you get exclusive gifts like access to my novel, 
the audiobook version of it, which you can't get anywhere else. You get to be a part of our private Facebook group. So you get content that you can't get anywhere else. And that includes podcasts. Every time I do a podcast now, I do a public portion and I do a Patreon portion. And some are saying, why would you put that behind a subscription wall when it's such great ministry? Well, it's because I have to earn a living and I don't pass an offering plate. By the way, every church in America charges for its ministry, but it does it by passing the offering plate. I do it by offering you great great uh, benefits by being a subscriber at uh, the NPE Patreon community. So come join me. And again, you can just give a gift by pointing your camera at the Venmo QR code, or join me on Patreon by pointing your camera at that QR code. And I so appreciate all of those of you who have helped. Now, let's go to the podcast. <laughs> what did I just do? I hit something. I needed to stop. Sorry about that. My TikTok is making noise to me. Um, so let me edit that out later. But right now, let's go to the open of the podcast here at pastor-paul.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical where we're challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right, let's do the podcast. Pastor Paul here with you on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. And today we're talking about the idea of justice for the fatherless. And what does the Derek Chauvin verdict have to do with Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. And a couple of things have disturbed me. First, can we all just go and take a deep breath that the verdict came back, three guilty verdicts. And it saved us from some calamity, perhaps in our country, and hopefully as a sign that there are people who love justice in our land, even police officers willing to testify against a police officer, something that almost never happens in America, where there is a code for officers to cover each other's back, even if they do something wrong. So that's a beautiful thing. But the sad thing for me is I see Christians still fighting to justify a need to be supportive of police and this bully tactic of if somebody comes and says, hey, we need to fix some injustice in our policing and our public safety. The bully tactic is to say, well, are you against police? Or maybe we should just get rid of the police altogether and then you would be happy, right? And, and boy, what are you going to do with a 911 call when there are no police around? This, this is an inappropriate Christian response. This is built in the idea that Christians believe we're supposed to be right-wingers. And so these were my thoughts of how did we get to this place of, if not justice, at least accountability for what happened with Derek Chauvin. And let me show it to you from my TikTok page and a TikTok video on the subject that I hope you'll enjoy entitled, What If? Would George Floyd's life have mattered if there wasn't video? While I'm excited for the verdict, I keep wondering what would have happened if we hadn't seen Derek Chauvin's cynical face as he kept his knee on the neck of a dying man. 
What if we hadn't had protests? Would cops have testified against cops if we hadn't had hundreds of people in the streets night after night saying, this is not okay? Remember, we had a president and many Republican leaders who were against the protests. Remember, we had an attorney general, the leading law enforcement officer in the land who okayed military clearing those protesters out so this twisted photo op could occur. What if this man were still president? Would we have any hope of systemic change if his followers were still in power in the White House? I'm excited for the verdict, but I still can't help but wonder how many others of these incidents have occurred when there was no camera phone around. If there was no video, would George Floyd's life have mattered? That is my TikTok, what if? So what if? What if there hadn't been a recording from a 17-year-old girl pointing her video, her phone camera at Derek Chauvin? And what would we do as Christians with that? Would George Floyd's name just be forgotten in history? Um, it's an interesting concept to think about, but one of the things then that is concerning to me in all of that is what the response of, of many has been since, because even as we had the Derek Chauvin verdict coming down, we had uh, a young woman shot in Ohio. Now, she was wielding a knife. She had called 911. Some of the information we still may be finding out, but I saw many Christians who were silent about the, the George Floyd incident, or maybe even hostile to any protesting or support of George Floyd, who used the excuse that he was high on drugs or had committed a crime, and somehow making that a life worthy of execution by a police officer with a knee on the neck. But many who were just silent on that issue suddenly becoming very vocal about, isn't it great that this police officer killed this woman who was threatening another woman? And that concerns me because as Christians, we should be number one in fighting for justice for all. Jeremiah chapter five talks about a country and people that are punished by God for not doing this well. And it, it says they've become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things? How can Christians miss this in the Bible? How can we not be the, the people most willing to lean in to the idea of racial injustice and try to set it straight? And if the Old Testament doesn't work for you in me telling you that, then how about Jesus' own words, where he says, depart from me because I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. Like I was thirsty standing in a voting line and you passed a law that I couldn't be given water. How about that? I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Is there any chance the two equate that if I don't, if I'm so invested in my personal safety that I have to follow and support a police officer no matter what and bully somebody that comes and says, guys, we need to make some systemic change here in our public service. I, I honor what the police officers do, but there's clearly a problem in how much we incarcerate African-American men and how often they die at the hands of police officers or even a, a soldier in his fatigues 
can be harassed at the highest level by an officer in Virginia, at what point of us saying, well, hell no, I don't care about that. I just care about the police being here to save me from those people. Does God not start to say, wow, you're not advancing the cause of justice for the fatherless. You're not clothing the naked or visiting the prisoner in prison or saying to the stranger, you're welcome to be here in this country. Do the words of the Bible ever matter in this? And if not the words of the Bible, how about more modern words that I can help you with? On the day of the verdict, I did a live on YouTube and, and hung out with a bunch of people that it was just really great for us to sort of work through that moment together. One of the things I did was read from Martin Luther King Jr.'s, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., from his letter from a Birmingham jail. And I want to read some words from that today, just to give us some perspective. Church, our brothers and sisters from the community of color are asking us to step up and not be their saviors, but add our voice to their plight and be willing to die to our needs to help them. And we're saying, hell no, we would rather have blue, line, blue lives matter flags in our yard because I want those officers to save me from those people. I think it's a sinful heartedness, a hard heartedness that says, I want to be protected and safe more than I want justice for the cause of others. And this is what Martin Luther King Jr. wrote about it in Letter from a Birmingham Jail. He says, there was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of pop popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Wherever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace. Things are different now, says Martin Luther King Jr., and I would say, I would say this today as well. The contemporary church is so often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. Let me read that to you again. The church is so often the arch supporter of the status quo, not the change agent it's supposed to be. I read on from letter from Birmingham jail. Far from being disturbed by a presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If the church of today does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authentic ring, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century, and I would add for the 21st century. I'm meeting young people, says Dr. King, every day whose disappointment with the church has risen to outright disgust. Wow. I would read these words today and say, this is what I see in today's 
American church, a church that's fighting for status quo rather than being the disruptors of culture to see something changed. What if there hadn't been a video of George Floyd? He would be just another dead black man killed at the hands of a police officer and then told that he died of a heart defect or a drug overdose. I'm not saying all cops are bad and I'm not saying all police departments are bad and I'm not saying defund the police. What I'm saying is we need to be the leaders of the cause of justice for the fatherless. George Floyd called out to his mom. He said, I can't breathe. And Christians still want to say this was an injustice. They listen to Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens and say, this is an injustice. When God says in his own word, depart from me, if that's your hard attitude, shall I not punish these people for these things? Church, it's time for us to change. I honor you, police officers. I honor you, law enforcement, for what you do. You take on a heavy task, but because you're given the right to carry a weapon and make decisions of life and death, your responsibility is above all others and your need to be accountable and demanding yourself of righteous policy in our police departments and in our policing it's important. The data is incontrovertible. We don't police the, re- the way the rest of the world polices. Our public safety mindset is very different than the rest of the world, and our outcomes are not better. All African Americans in the American population make up 13% of that population. All African Americans, from Oprah Winfrey to the smallest child to uh, the poorest of the poor to the to the middle class, all African American people all make up 13% of the population of America. Yet African American males make up 32% of our prison population. That's not okay. And America in prisons, more than a larger percentage of its population than any other country on earth. So imagine that a small portion of our population is one third of our incarcerated peoples, and we incarcerate a larger percentage of our people than any other country on earth. What are we doing for the cause of justice for the fatherless? Yes, criminals need to be put in jail, but we need to realize when we watch Lieutenant Nazario in Virginia that sometimes a black man gets pulled over for not having a tag on his car, and that height sensitivity level of that police officer is at 110% before he even has an encounter with the driver and really knows if there's a danger or not, which would not happen with a white driver. Christians, we must say this is not okay. Otherwise, I believe God would say, shall I not punish them and their culture and their cities and their regions and their states for these things? And Jesus would say, I never knew you. You can't wear my name if that's your heart posture. You're not a Christian. You are carrying an antichrist mindset. Now, I know some of you would be very upset at hearing what I say here, but would you let that challenge 
your heart today and think, maybe I'm fighting for status quo. Maybe I'm fighting for protection of myself and my family to the detriment of others. And is that okay as a Christian? Would you think about it? Because I think it's absolutely vital that we do. Thank you for listening. Let me ask again before I go into the second half of the podcast, would you consider supporting Pastor Paul and the ministry of the nonpartisan evangelical? Up on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, is my the QR code for my Venmo account, which is Paul-Swearingen-1, or the Patreon QR code that you can point and go to patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. You can subscribe to the special subscription opportunities at Patreon, or you can just give a gift through Venmo and help support the ministry of Pastor Paul and the message that we have to share. It would mean so much to me if you would, and I would love it very much. We're growing this thing. We're going to be revamping the website and our sort of branding, if you will. And that's going to be a, about an eleven dollars to $15,000 project. So I could use your help on that. If you're willing to give, let me know. Send me a message through pastor-paul.com. Then mow me a gift or sign up for our Patreon page. Thank you for listening to that. Now, back to the podcast and my hearing God moment. Are you enough? Hope you enjoy. So I'm going to read a little bit of the Bible this morning and just talk about what, what it means to worship. Worship is a, is a word we use in Christianity a lot. And you know, worship sometimes means listening to music and dancing or raising our hands or praying, falling on our face in front of Jesus but I see worship as something a little bit different. Worship is offering yourself up as a vessel to be used for goodness, to be used in a life that's modeled like the life that Jesus modeled. Let's see if I can raise this up a little bit without getting too far into the picture. So I'm going to give you an example from the Bible and read about that, and then we'll do some breathing, hearing God, sharing, and then we'll get you on your day. I'm so glad you guys are with me. Cool. If you're on YouTube, let me know where you're joining from. I'm glad you guys are joining me today. So let me read something. This is from Luke chapter seven. My music may be just a little bit too loud. Let me turn it down just a smidge. If you can't hear well, let me know. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. We may read all that. We'll see. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. So Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and sat at the table. 
a sinful woman in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind Jesus at his feet, crying. She began to wash his feet with her tears, and she dried them with her hair, kissing them many times and rubbing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who asked Jesus to come to his house saw this, he thought to himself, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that the woman touching him is a sinner. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon said, teacher, tell me. And Jesus said, two people owed money to the same banker. One owed, one owed 500 coins and the other owed 50. They had no money to pay what they owed, but the banker told both of them they did not have to pay him. Which person will love the banker more? Simon the Pharisee answered, I think it would be the one who owed him the most money. And Jesus said to Simon, you are right. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss of greeting, but she has been kissing my feet since I came in. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured oil. She poured perfume, excuse me, on my feet. I tell you that her many sins are forgiven. So she showed great love, but the person who is forgiven only a little will only love a little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The people sitting at the table begin to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, because you believed you are saved from your sins, go in peace. So this is a story about worship of Jesus that I think we mistranslate pretty greatly. And, and I got into some trouble with my Christian friends around Easter time of saying what, what this woman was doing with Jesus was an erotic act. It was an erotic act for a woman in that culture to be at the feet of a, of a man. You know, in the story of Ruth and Boaz, Ruth slept at the feet of Boaz. And that's how she displayed to Boaz that she was interested in him and he took her as his wife. That's what Mary was, Mary, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been trained that it's Mary for so long, but it, but the Bible actually does not tell this. This is Mary Magdalene. That was uh, something invented by Western Christianity. But this woman is at, his, at Jesus' feet, kissing his feet and washing his feet with her tears. And then she does something untoward in that culture she let down her hair she had to let down her hair to dry his feet and I always even heard this story in like Sunday school when I was a little kid and nobody ever tells you that letting down a woman's hair in that culture was a sexual act a woman never let down her hair outside of the marriage bedroom and certainly no man that was not her husband was allowed to see her with her hair down Yet here was this sinful woman at Jesus' feet, offering herself to him. I bet you've never heard a preacher preach that on Holy Week, did you? Here's the thing. This sinful woman, as we're told in the text, since Jesus had a heart for her and something special, a uh, uh, an unmarried woman, probably a divorced woman, because a man could divorce a woman for any reason. And once a woman was divorced in that culture, they 
literally were useless in the culture because they couldn't get a job. They weren't considered helpful in around the farm. And because they were now used up as no longer a virgin, they couldn't be a suitable wife for a suitable man. And so generally those women had one, you know, two opportunities to find a place where they could be a slave girl in a house of somebody else or become a prostitute and give up their body. So all this woman had to give to anyone was this little bit of dowry of perfume that she owned, which she probably had been saving, hoping that maybe there would be a day she could use it for a wedding dowry and her body, her sexuality. That was all she had of value in that culture. Trust me, I'm not saying that about your women today. I'm explaining what was happening in the story. And she literally in that culture had no value and was shunned and looked down upon. So sensing something different in Jesus, she offered all that she had to him, her dowry and her body, her sex, her sexuality. Now, what would Christians say about a woman that did that today, who offered herself because she just wanted to be loved and cared for just for a moment? We would say, what a terrible harlot. What a horrible woman. In another version of this story, Jesus says of the woman, all of history will know her. You guys will be forgotten, but all of history will know her. And here we are talking about her today. Because she took all she had. And even though it would be considered, it was considered something of ill repute in that culture. Something that Christians and evangelicals today would say, that's horrible. And they even get mad that I translate the story this way, which happens to be the right way to read it. And say that would be terrible for a woman to offer herself sexually to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, she's done a beautiful thing. And all of history is going to know her. So I tell you that story to say this, what, what do you have to offer up for a moment of saying, I just want to give everything I have of value to, to goodness in this world. And we may say, what do I have to give? I'm just one person. I'm just a single mom. I'm just struggling to get by in my job. What do I have to give? And I think Kevin would say, just give you. You're enough. I think God would say, all I want is you. All I want is relationship with you. And even if what you offer is a bad aroma in the eyes of Christians, I don't give a shit. I love you passionately. Yeah, I think God would say that too, by the way. Do you get what I'm saying? The Christian world spends a lot of time telling people that they're not good enough that what they're giving to God isn't good enough, that they're not taking communion right, that they haven't been baptized right, that they haven't said this prayer right, that they didn't say in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer. And Jesus would say, 
you guys are idiots. This is amazing that people care this much to offer of themselves. And where the world may say, not good enough. Where Christianity may say, not good enough. Heaven says, all of the world needs to know how amazing this person is. Because they are amazing. Hmm. Hebrews 12 says this. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Christians want to say fire represents hell and punishment and damnation. But right here in this passage, fire represents a purification of everything that we are. What this passage is saying is there's, you know, there, there are times where we're just shaken. We're shaken by life, we're shaken by relationship, we're shaken by loss, we're shaken by all kinds of things. But that shaking is not punishment. It's so the things that God finds amazing in us are like here in our hands, along with the stuff that's not so amazing about us. And the Bible says God is a consuming fire, that this, this fire from heaven comes and the stuff that we don't like and we're ashamed of and make us feel guilty, that just gets burned up and it just goes away. And what's of beauty and value of us is left behind. God isn't going to judge us for the dross on our life and the things we've done to try to do our best to survive. He purifies it with his love. I, and I say God is a he because that's my tradition. But you, you can see God however you see God and however you feel safe to see a God figure. But that fire comes from heaven and it just burns off all the crap and what's left. It's like Jesus saying, look, this woman is offering herself to me sexually. And it's beautiful because it's, it's what she has to offer of value. And no, I'm not going to take her up on her offer. But what I am going to say is, she's amazing. And there's nobody else in this world that'll tell her she's amazing. So today, what are you bringing to heaven and saying, ah, oh, I wish I had something really valuable to offer heaven. But all I have is me and me is like dented and beaten up and scratched from life and heaven just says, I know, and it's beautiful. It's, it's everything heaven ever dreamed you would be. It's, it's everything you were meant to be at creation. How could God not find that a beautiful, acceptable worship? And so this morning, what we bring to heaven is ourselves, right? And that's enough.
You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. You don't have to pray the sinner's prayer and join this club and follow their rules. That's a lie. It's the ones that say, I don't have much. I may not be that great, but what I am, I offer to connect to the world and goodness and to heaven and its goodness and to live it out as best I can. And heaven says, that's awesome. All of history will remember that commitment. Mm. Yeah, you are enough. So how are we feeling? I see that, Ashley, on YouTube. Thank you. So let's go into our hearing God moment. So get really comfortable in your seat. And we're going to do a little mindfulness time. I'm going to have a drink of coffee before I go into it. So you're going to offer yourself and you are enough. Take a deep, relaxing breath on that. I am enough. Say it over yourself. Heaven says, I am enough. God says, I am enough. I'm enough. It doesn't matter what people around me say about me. It doesn't matter what those Christians say about me. I am enough. Nothing more is required of me. Hmm. Are you feeling that relaxation coming into your shoulders and your neck and your chest as you breathe and take deep breaths? Start to let you feel your spirit start to be manifest. That means like feel your spirit, feel it in your fingers, feel it in your chest, wherever you start to feel that supernatural part of you connect with the supernaturalness of heaven, with the supernaturalness of each other. Deep breaths and just feel it in your fingers, in your toes, in your chest, in your mind, in your heart. There is this bigger part of me, this eternal part of me that can connect with the people with me on TikTok and YouTube with Pastor Paul. And when our spirits are connected, we connect with heaven and the goodness of heaven and God. Don't be afraid to close your eyes and just let your imagination start to think, what would a God who accepts me and says I'm enough, who loves me and is safe and gives me value look like? Some of you may have done this exercise with me before. And just imagine in your spirit, in your core, what would God look like? What would an accepting, affirming, loving I think you're enough, God. Look like, picture that in your head right now. And a lot of times I say, picture yourself sitting in a safe place, a place where sometime in your life you felt really safe 
you felt full, you felt affirmed, and sit there with the God of your imagination. For me, it's a sitting on a diving board on a pond in our backyard when I was in eighth grade. It was a safe place for me away from the house, which was a difficult place, but in the backyard alone on the diving board. I can see myself sitting there with God and God is loving and affirming and accepts me just as I am, even with all of my faults. Can you feel it? Can you feel that? God is just emanating love. God is love. And so sitting with that God of the universe, that God of heaven, love starts to permeate our being. Breathe that in. Love is all around love. Permeating our pores, permeating our DNA, permeating our mitochondria, our DNA, our atoms, all of it being flooded with this light of love. If any of that feels unsafe to you, then don't go there. You just sit quietly and breathe. And that's okay too. You are loved and accepted just as you are. Okay, this is our hearing God moment. Our spirits are connected with one another. Our spirit, our communal spirit is connected with heaven and drawing on the divine and the supernatural down to earth. Jesus said, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And we're drawing that divine down to earth now. So let's ask God that we're sitting within our imagination in our safe place. What would you say to me today, God? Can you ask God that? In your imagination, close your eyes and sit with God the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the divine over everything else. Look at the face of that safe, wonderful, affirming, accepting God and say, what do you have to say to me today? Let me say one thing before you do it. That God will not say to you, get better. If there's a voice inside of your core that's saying, be better, get better. That's not the voice of the true God. That's your mom's voice, your dad's voice, your teacher's voice, your pastor's voice, that Sunday school teacher's voice, somebody who condemned you along the way. That's not the voice of God. Remember our story. Jesus looked at the woman of ill repute and said, what she's doing is beautiful, guys, and you don't get it. She's giving of all she has of herself. And that's what God would say in that vein today. So now, having said that, look into the face of that safe, affirming, wonderful God in your imagination, in your safe space, and say, what would you have to say to me today? And then stop. And let's just listen.
Did you hear God? Did a loving, affirming presence from heaven speak to you in your spirit, in your imagination today? I'd love to hear what God said to you. You can type it into the comments on YouTube or TikTok. And I'll share what God said to me. I'm going to light a candle. For me, candles, particularly ones that are scented, represent the presence of God's spirit. The Bible talks about pleasing aromas of heaven. Fire is the purifying fire of heaven. Maybe you can even sort of smell that aroma in your imagination as it burns. So what did God say to you? Would you type it into the comments? Would you share? I would love to hear. So I see God very traditionally from the tradition that I grew up in. He kind of looks a little bit like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, old and wise, but a face that's so loving and affirming. It's... For me, God's a, that kind of traditional patriarchal male, but it's okay if you see God differently because God is not defined by our little evangelical boxes that we put God in. God is universal and so much more. So however you see God, it's the same, but I see him sort of in my traditional Christian upbringing. And I just heard God say to me today, and it was so what I needed to hear. I heard God say, I'm so glad you didn't give up. And the picture that came to my mind is we actually have some new concrete, some new sidewalk being poured on our property here. And they, they asked if we wanted to write in it yesterday. And so I wrote our family name, Swearingen, and I wrote 2020-21 for the year in which we've been renovating our house a little bit. And then I wrote Psalm 27, 13 that says, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I feel like that number 2020 to 21 shows kind of we survived the year and now we're moving forward. And I just felt like God told me today, I'm so glad you didn't give up. You could have given up and you didn't give up. And like the woman in our story, he just took that. Again, God is kind of a he in my tradition, but you can see him differently. And God said, this is beautiful worship, Paul. Thank you. Mm. 
So I love you guys are sharing your comments here. Thank you, Mickey Lee, for that nice comment. You were a true definition of a Christmas. Go kill yourself. Oh, I'm so sorry about your moniker, but thank you for the present. Christina says, God said that I am very loved. I am a good mom and a good wife. God made my heart the way he wanted. Love that, Christina. I agree. You are a good mom. You're a good wife. You're a wonderful person. And your worship today really pleases God. And Christina goes on to say, God made my heart for people, especially children. How beautiful that is. Amen. I bless that. Kay Everett says that God said, look how far you've come. Trust in me. Yeah. And I would add that God would say, trust yourself. You're amazing. FN Resiliency says, I've always been enough. I'm beautiful. And it's okay that I've been, af been afraid of letting God in again. Yeah. God totally understands your journey. And he says, it's enough. It's beautiful. Jasmine says, I am loved and this world was created for me, you. Wow, isn't that amazing? To think about what you look at and say, that's a beautiful sunset. And God would say, that was created for you, Jasmine. That was created for you. Mickey says, you're welcome, Pastor Paul. Yeah. Mickey says that God said to me that I am doing a good job. Yes, you are. You're doing a great job. You are enough. If you weren't able to hear God today, if you weren't even able to relax and settle in, if you're watching and saying, this guy is full of it, that's all okay too. You are enough. You are enough. Say what 84 says. He said, don't let your work mistakes recently get you down. No one is perfect. Mm. That's beautiful. Say what? I agree. And I just, I just bless it as you work through those mistakes, as you own what you need to own so you can improve and grow. I say you will be blessed in that process. And people are going to respect you for walking that process through. Life, oh, life in resiliency. I'm sorry, I got your name wrong. I cried the entire time, hot tears, one more step in this healing journey. Yeah, so I hold up my, my fire for you. Gary on religion taught me this, and I love it. And I just, I just say this is a blessing for you today. The smoke, the aroma going up. It's going up to heaven as a blessing for you. You are enough. And your healing journey is amazing. And I just believe God would say thank you for leaning in to that healing journey. Ms. McKay says, God said, keep on loving them. I'll sort them out. Yeah. Say what 84 says, God said, don't let your work. Miss okay, I saw that one already. And I just, I love that one. I bless you. Say what with that. Jen says, 
love hearing your voice live. I often wonder what God thinks about the creations. Thank you for this. The Bible says God created all things and said it is good. Now that may be a literal thing or that may be an allegory. But what heaven is saying to you today is you are good. You're what you were made to be. Yes, life knocked you around and caused some dings in you. But, but actually those mistakes, those dings, those are the things like granite. You know, when, a, when, a, when an artist takes a chisel and a hammer and starts pounding, isn't that what makes the granite beautiful? Aren't the dings in us what make us unique and who we are? And it's not that I'm saying God did them for our good or God did them to, to teach us something. But us, the, the collection of all of that and walking it through is what makes us amazing. You are amazing. And you are enough. Michelle says, thanks for all you do. I'm, I'm so pleased that you're here. She says, I cried too. Say what says, thank you. Okay, now let's just cleanse it out with some breath. And let's move on to our day. Some of you, it's a little later in the day than others, I understand. But I just pray that your day and moving into tomorrow and into your weekend a blessing comes from knowing you are enough. This will be preserved on YouTube if you want to watch it again throughout the weekend and use it to bless you. You can do that. Thank you, McKaylee. Is it Mickey Lee or McKaylee? Yeah. I wasn't able to hear God, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, that's okay. Life Resilience, he says, thank you. What a gift. What you guys can do for me is follow my page, share my stuff, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Those are the ways you can. Mickey Lee. Okay, thank you, Mickey. And that's how another way to say thanks, but just you saying thanks in the comments is enough. You are enough. If you click on my bio, in TikTok or go to my website, pastor-paul.com. You can see all the things we do. I have a Bible study that I record and release on Saturday morning. My wife and I do Saturday lives. I think we're going to start doing them once a month. You're welcome. Say what? Yeah. Follow my page and Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I appreciate it. Is there a database of LGBTQ plus safe churches, especially in the South? Not that I know of. Generally, if you, you look at the Episcopalian churches, they tend to be affirming. There are affirming Methodist churches, but message me or message Gary on religion or Rev Carla, one of those. See if they can recommend a church or we have an online church service on Sunday mornings. Again, if you click on my bio in TikTok or go to pastor-paul.com and click on that events contact page, that'll give you the details of how you can join us on a Sunday morning. Jasmine says you have a special way of spreading God's love. Thank you. Well, I, I just learned that God loves me and he loves you, and that gives me permission to love you. He loves me no matter how crappy I look at times. 
and that gives me permission to love others no matter how crappy they may look. All right, guys, I'm going to let you go and get on with your day. Bless your the rest of your Thursday, your Friday, and your weekend. I do this every Thursday morning, so come join. So bless you guys. Have a great day.